You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. Please welcome Suze Close. That will work, Renna. You can hear me. Hi. Um, so my story is not all that funny, sorry. <laughs> and it's um, it's not really about chickens or counting, um, but it is about dogs. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> um, no. So um, yeah, a year ago, uh, my dog died. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, it doesn't get much better. Um, but basically, I was really sad. Um, and I was really surprised by how sad I was. Uh, see, I've always had animals. Um, she was my first dog, but I've always had animals. Uh, my dad's a biologist. I have a very pragmatic uh, attitude, I thought, to animals. Um, I feel very strongly, you know, we have a responsibility to give them the best life that they can, and then we have a responsibility to make sure that they don't suffer for, for any longer then, uh, then we can control. So when my dog died and I was really sad, I was really, um, I guess, a bit sidelined. Is that the word? Yeah. Um, it really shocked me. And then I felt really guilty about how sad my dead dog made me um, because everybody had been losing people, you know, this was a year ago, was the, you know, people were still dying of COVID. Um, we had friends who died that year, you know, that it didn't seem right that I was sad for my dog, but it didn't stop the fact that I was sad. But, you know, I suppressed it and I got up the next day and I went to work and people came and said, oh, I'm really sorry about, to hear about your dog. And I said, oh, yeah, no, she had a good life, but I didn't mean it because what I really wanted to do is really just cry and say, yeah, I'm really sad and I don't want to be here and I want to go home and go back to bed. But I didn't because you don't do that because then you're a weirdo. Um, <clears throat> But I didn't stop being sad. And then I had these um, sensory hallucinations. And that was weird. Um, so I'd be like in the kitchen and I would hear my dog get off her bed, off her little sofa, and I'd hear a little clippy-clappy claws and a little jingle-jangle collar. And she'd be coming down the corridor and I'd turn around, but she wasn't there. Or I'd be cooking and I'd feel her come and stand beside me and look up and wait to get some sort of like treat from me because I'm very good at chopping. And I looked down and she wasn't there, but she'd been there, you know, I felt that she was there. So I, I had to find out what was going on because I don't, I need to know stuff. Like I don't deal with things without knowing them very well. I have, it's like, how, it's like a weird control thing I have. But anyway, so I started researching um, grief hallucinations and I found that they're like a really common, well-documented things and probably lots of people have had them. And there's like a couple of hypotheses that I found. One is that it's like your brain's coping mechanism of giving you like a little comfort blanket-y thing to help you cope. The other thing is it's like your senses catching up with reality and that one made sense for me because, you know, especially like when you share a space with someone or something, like it's just part of your day. So your senses can expect these things. That's how I kind of looked at it. Um, 
And then I read that it's really common to have these with pet bereavements. And then I read a bit more and I read about um, disenfranchised grief. And I read how common this is with pet bereavement. Um, so, like, we all grieve. Like, grief is a part of the human condition. Um, as you know, I don't have to tell you that. You're grown-up people. Um, but generally, we, we learn, you know, our grief is here and we grow around our grief. And the grief stays the same, but, but our, we, you know, it's like ultimate change management, I suppose. We, we, our life changes and we grow and new things come in and the grief is still there, but it's, you know, just things are different. When you have, like, disenfranchised grief, it's not so easy to, to grow around your grief. Um, so it's like things like um, if you, like, someone who you're estranged from dies or someone you're having an affair with, maybe, and you can't have those same public... Um, grief rituals and death rituals and you're you know maybe excluded from funerals and wakes and you can't openly talk about your feelings and your grief so it makes that that you know so it's disenfranchised you, you can't process it in the same way and so there's a real big connection between I'm going to hurry up and get to the story in a minute big disconnection between um like pet bereavement and this disenfranchised grief and I was really interested in that and it makes sense because it's not socially acceptable to openly be very sad about your dog dying um you're kind of embarrassing it's not the sort of thing you you tell people because you think people are going to judge you and you're somehow deficient if you grieve your your dead dog um but the thing about dogs is they're like the ultimate unconditional love giver you know like more so than even your mum because at some point, like, your mum's going to maybe want to fix you or tell you to snap out of it or have boundaries because sometimes it's really hard to support somebody. But dogs don't have that. They don't have those boundaries. They just love you. So when you're going through something really tough, like, you can go to all the dark places with your dog. So about five years ago, I... Um, walked out on a, a marriage that I was in and it was a bit toxic um, and it was a really tough time in my life and I was really lucky though that I was able to take my dog with me. Um, we got together when I was in my very early 20s so I was arrived in my mid-30s to live alone on my own for the first time. My family was on the other side of the world and I didn't know who I was. I was really lost and I was a bit, it was all just a bit messy but I wasn't alone alone because I had Rue. So I would go out and get very drunk and other things and it could have been a challenging time but I always came home because I had to come home for Rue. And I always got up the next day, that was my dog by the way, I don't know if I introduced her earlier. Um, and, and I always got up and went out the next day because I had to get up and go out for Rue. And slowly but surely, I worked out that people didn't all hate me. I worked out that I had my own thoughts and feelings that belonged to me, that I knew were mine. And we, we walked through this, this fog together. Fast forward to 2019, and I'm moving into a new house. Um, I've got a new partner. Uh, Rue's there as well, obviously. Um, I've started a new job, and I'm the happiest I've ever been in my adult life. And then a month later... Um, I get cancer. So that was quite a tough time. And my partner was amazing through all of that, but we'd moved in together one month before. 
and all of a sudden he had to deal with the fact that I could be very ill. But I had Rue. And like I said before, like I'm one of those people, I have to know everything. So I had to read everything. I had to know like all of my chances, like what every scenario could be, I had to know it. But I couldn't really share that with people because people don't want to go to those dark places and that's okay and I understand that because that's not nice. But I needed to. My partner didn't want to. He wanted to deal with what we could deal with there and then. And I, I, I wanted to deal with all the possible scenarios I was prepared. So I'd take Rue with me. We'd go for a walk. I'd put on something really depressing like Radiohead. I'd go to all the really dark places. And then we'd come home again. And then eventually I had surgery. And um, she helped me in my recovery because it'd be like, okay, when can I walk Rue? All right, now I'll walk her a little bit further. Now I'll walk her a little bit further again. Then I had chemo, and it was the same sort of thing. Like every Friday, I'd have my cycle would start, and I'd be like, right, by next Thursday, I'm going to take Rue for a walk. And that was kind of, you know, the next eight months of my life. After two years, I was uh, declared NED, so no evidence of D's, that D's, D's, disease, which is great. Um, and I went back to full-time work, and then I came home one Sunday and um, she had little lumps there, like in her jaw. And I thought, well, that's not, not so good. She'd slowed down. She was 11. But I thought, well, maybe it's just like an infection. So I'll take her to the vet tomorrow. I walked her up. You know, she's still walking. Still happy to do that. So we walked up to the vet. Um, but the vet made it pretty clear that it was unlikely that some antibiotics were going to do the job. Um, he took a biopsy. But we didn't really wait for the results in the end. By Wednesday, she couldn't stand, she couldn't see, um, and I couldn't, it was just really distressing, and I couldn't, I knew that my responsibility was to, to, to make sure she didn't suffer. Um, and so I was there, and like all those times when she was there for me, she, I, I was, she had sat with her head on my leg, and I felt her last breath, and I went home, and I curled up under a duvet, and I cried, and my eyes hurt, and my body ached, and I thought that that was just really the saddest thing <laughs> out of all the things that had happened. Um, and so I guess why I wanted to tell this story was because I'm still sad, like I still cried today, when I was thinking about this story. Um, but I don't feel guilty anymore because I think it's okay to feel sad when you lose your dog. Um, and I could look at my marriage and I have regrets there and obviously I wouldn't wish having cancer on anybody, but I don't wish those things didn't happen to me. You know, they're now part of my story. But if I could do one thing, if I had one magic wish... I would choose that my dog was still here. Thank you. Sue's close. True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website, truestorieslive.co.uk. We're super grateful to be supported by Arts Council England, Norfolk County Council and Writer Centre Norwich.